chapter 9. And we will only be reading from the translation from Aramaic today. So there are copies, because most of you don't have that Bible. Um, it will be up there. I didn't think it was going to be, but some sweet person did that for me this morning. Um, I don't care what happens, you're going to get this message today. So, here we go. Hebrews 9, verse 1. But in the first, there was an order of ministry and a worldly sanctuary. For the first tabernacle, now that's not actually talking about the whole building, that's like the first room, okay? that was made there had the menorah and the table of showbread, and it was called the holy place. And y'all should have gotten a handout that has all these verses too, okay? All right. That was called the holy place. But the inner tabernacle from within the second veil was called the holy of holies. And there was in it the golden place of incense and the Ark of the Covenant, all overlaid with gold, and it had a pot of gold in which was manna, and the rod of Aaron which budded, and the tablets of the covenant, and above the cherubim of glory, which shrouded over the mercy seat. But there is no time for us to speak about each of these things which were thus fashioned. But the priests were always entering the outer tabernacle, the outer room, and performing their ministry. But the high priest would enter the inner tabernacle once a year by himself with blood, which he was offering in the place of his soul and in the place of the evil doing of the people. See, we have Jesus who gave it all. So this chapter, chapter 9 of Hebrews, we enter into a full discussion of the blood of Jesus. Its efficacy and its power. Why the blood? Why the blood? So in verses, I'm going to give you a real quick little outline. We're going to go into all of this. Verses 1 through 14, the blood's efficacy in opening to us the most holy place and the sprinkling of our conscience so that we, too, can fully, will fully enter and receive its revelation in our lives. Verses 15 through 22 are its purpose and effect in dedicating the new covenant and cleansing everything connected with it. Verses 23 through 28, the actual putting away of sin 
by Jesus, submission to God, and the resulting opening of heaven, the very opening of heaven to us in reality, in life, in real time, real life, now, the here and now. Okay, so these verses give us a picture, a picture of service to God and nearness to God. The holy place, the first room, is where humankind would worship and serve God, but never come too near, not be able to come too near to God, because the veil marked the distance. The veil marked a distance. So there was a longing, there's a longing, and every, every person truly has a longing in their heart. There was a longing in their heart to fellowship with God, but man's inability to do so because of sin. Hallelujah, our Jesus has given us a cure. There, amen, amen. There was this constant space of disconnect. Man, aren't you glad you don't have to live with that? There was this constant space, constant remembrance of disconnect with the Father. God's holiness, his righteousness, because of sin, because of people's sin, kept people back from God, okay? So the high priest entering into the inner sanctuary, the inner room, the most holy place, was a foreshadowing of what we would receive in Christ one day. Now that can be a very, even today, I think even though we know believers know they're saved and they have been brought into unity with the Father, this can be a very difficult concept to overcome in your minds, but thank you, Holy Spirit, that you help us. Because this is something, the perfect uniting, okay, of God's righteousness and love became open to us. And sometimes that's really hard, the righteousness, you know, fulfilling righteousness, but he did it for us combining and having harmony with the love of him, of, of Christ. It was something that's very difficult to understand, and you cannot understand it without the blood sacrifice, without understanding the blood sacrifice of Jesus. Because of sin, because of sin, we could never understand our need to be righteous when we're constantly making mistakes, right? How can God call us righteous when we're constantly making mistakes? We all make mistakes, okay? So this is hard. So we have the righteousness, and then how can, when we feel like we're not fulfilling that, how can we walk into love? How can he love us so? Because he loves us so. How could God's love, how could his love justify how could his love, his, his, um, how could it justify those basically who are not righteous? Are you getting what I'm saying? Without the blood. 
in their own actions. Are you getting it? Okay, in their own actions. So Christ's finished work, hallelujah, his finished work perfected the harmony of that righteousness, God's righteousness and love. You understand what I'm getting at? Okay. So we get a new picture. We now get to walk in a new vision. We have the picture of our new relationship united with the Father. Nothing holding us back. Nothing separating us. You see that? Nothing in between. And now, because of Jesus, because of the blood that he shed, we are forever embraced. We are forever embraced in full fellowship. Full fellowship with him. An acceptance into the divine presence of God. Whoa, I hope I get through this message. He calls you his righteousness in Christ. And that's just something you need to accept. Regardless of how you feel at moments. He calls us his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, listen, this is so powerful. In the Aramaic. For he who had not known sin, Jesus, never knew it, could have, could have succumbed, but did not. He never knew sin, made himself to become sin in your place that you would become the righteousness of God in him, in Christ. Hallelujah. He never gave in to sin because he saw the glory and he knew what it was going to do for you. And he knew what was going to happen when that blood poured out for you. So no matter what happened, he never chose sin, and yet he allowed it to be poured out upon him. But because he never tasted sin, he never, not tasted, he never practiced or succumbed or gave in, he could hand you a victory. Hallelujah. We're going to discuss exactly how that happened a little bit later. So Hebrews 9, verse 8. But by this, the spirit of holiness, Holy Spirit, had taught, okay, in other words, the whole, in the NIV it says the Holy Spirit was showing, that the way of holiness, and in the NIV there it says the way into the most holy place. The way, it's very specific, see we're not making this up the way into the most holy place had not yet been revealed as long as the first tabernacle was standing. And this was a symbol for that time, that time 
in which gifts and sacrifices were offered which were not able, never able, not able, to perfect the conscience of him who offers them. Not able to clear the conscience of the one offering the sacrifice. Wouldn't that be frustrating? Wouldn't that be just horribly frustrating? Except in food and drink only, and in various washings, which are ordinances of the flesh. In other words, just external regulations that are established until, they are established until the time of reformation. So the NIV there says they apply only until the time of the new order. In other words, the new covenant. So the key element that I want to discuss here or emphasize here is that the Holy Spirit is the one and the only one, the Holy Spirit is the one and only one who shows us, because of what Jesus did, he, the Holy Spirit is the only one who shows us the way into the most holy, into the holy of holies. And our yielding, our yielding to Holy Spirit. He's so good. You don't even have to figure it all out. You just yield. Our yielding to him secures, absolutely secures our living now here in the atmosphere of the Holy of Holies, life behind the veil, you have been given entrance to everything that that includes. Life behind the veil, in the very essence of God, in the very essence, living in the essence of your Father, God. That place is that's the place which is actually intended to be our native atmosphere. That's God's plan for you. That is to be the holy of holies living in that. That is to be your, your native atmosphere. Think about that. That's his design for you. That was his vision. You were created you were created to live in the atmosphere of heaven here on this earth. Holy Spirit came to us because Jesus tore the veil. Hallelujah. You got the gift. He tore the veil. He allowed his body to be crucified. And then he ascended into heaven. Praise the Lord. And only Holy Spirit brings us to that place where we can live with a clear conscience, a clear, a pure a clean, bless you, a perfected conscience. 
before God and in God. Only by living in unison with the Holy Spirit and his guidance and his wisdom can we fully grasp our new life. You have a completely new life. Only with Holy Spirit can our eyes, the eyes of our heart, grasp, see, clearly see the things above that he has planned for you. So we set, what does the scripture tell us to do? It says, set your mind on things above. That's from Colossians 3, 2. It's, you know, we, we need to see the things above, the things of God, and embrace them, regardless of what our minds are saying. We renew our minds to, to the word. We become partakers, partakers, partakers of the divine nature. First Peter, Second Peter 1, 4. So only, only by walking with Holy Spirit, by the way, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit fills you. Now there's a separate baptism in the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues. But when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit to guide you and counsel you and direct you. Only by walking in Holy Spirit is the flesh torn out of our lives. Aren't you glad you have a father who's provided that for you? The flesh totally torn out of your lives when we yield, when we're submitted. It is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that makes us fit. It truly makes you fit for God's presence. You understand that? You're not an unworthy worm. You become fit for God's presence to dwell in you. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9.11. But the Messiah who has come has become the high priest of the good things that he did. He did good things for you. And now he is your high priest ministering to you and mediating for you. And he entered the great and perfect tabernacle, which is not made with hands and was not from these created things. And he did not enter with the blood of yearling goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the holy place one time and has achieved eternal redemption. Praise you, Father. So the two parts of the sanctuary symbolize the two stages or the two degrees, however you want to phrase it, of fellowship with God. The flesh is the veil right? The flesh, Jesus' flesh given for you. Christ passed through the flesh. You see that? He passed through by his flesh. What he did, he passed through that flesh barrier 
sacrificing himself unto death, and he overcame all the power of flesh in your life. He overcame by the blood of the Lamb for you. And he liberated us. He liberated us into living with him in the spirit. You get to live with him in the spirit. Hallelujah. And that is his experiential life. His experiential life here on earth for us when we receive what he has done. Now, you cannot just give this head knowledge. You receive what he has done. So the two parts of the sanctuary, listen, listen, listen. The two parts of the sanctuary, essentially, they were made one. They were made one for us, for believers in Christ. The righteousness required, remember, the, the external, the, the outer room, the righteousness required and the love combined. You, are, are you getting that? The righteousness and the love combined for us to live in the harmony of the two. You see? Love, cult, love covers a multitude of sins. You see that? Because you could never fulfill his righteousness on your own. And so you would ever be thinking, expecting, expecting, expecting more of yourself. You know, condemning, condemning, condemning yourself when you goofed up. Well, he fixed that. He harmonized his righteousness and the love in your life. He brought them together. No more conflict there when you are in Jesus. And so we have access, we have free access to him. No longer held at, at a distance. No longer separate, there's no longer a separating space. You understand that? Romans 8, 9. Okay, this is your present state. Romans 8, 9, this is your present state. You, listen, because people struggle with the, the sin issue. Okay, am I teaching a license to sin? No. See, we get to repent. Lovely word. Lovely, lovely, lovely word. We get to repent. And stay in fellowship with the, with the Lord, okay? All right. You, however, listen are not, this is scripture telling you this. This is not me. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh. Do you see, what, do you see how you're redefined? Do you see your new home? Do you see that place to which you have been transported in the spirit? Come on, do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Thank you. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit. You have a new home. 
If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and the Spirit of God lives in you when you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you don't have to keep qualifying yourself. You see that? You have a totally new home. Darkness, demon spirits, They're always going to be trying to talk to you. They're always going to be trying to condemn you. But you do not have to receive that. (coughs) Because we have a new way, the way of life, the way of victory, the conquering ability of Holy Spirit. What does the scripture say? The spirit of life, the spirit of life, in Christ. That's what you have now. The spirit of life in you. In Christ Jesus. By the blood. All of the spirit of God. All of the spirit of God. I know it's big guys. It's really, really big. But you have a God that loves you so much. That he's chosen to give this to, the, to those who call on his name on the name of Jesus. All of the Spirit of God, which Christ received, right? Right? Has been passed to the worshipers of Christ. Do you get that? That is some power. So Holy Spirit has transformed all of the light, all of the love, all of the Uh, holiness of the inner sanctuary, the presence, the essence of God, his very presence from a mere vision, something that they could only look at, something that they could only hope for. What is your expectation? He's taken that, something that was a mere vision, and made it our revelation, our inheritance, our possession. Hallelujah. He's given it to us for our now experience. When we choose to believe. When we choose to believe what Jesus really did. Are you Are you, everyone in here, are you willing to pass through the veil? Hallelujah. The veil of the flesh into the spirit with Christ. Are you willing to lay aside the flesh? Are you willing to have it ripped out of your life? And let that torn flesh of Christ truly take root in us. What's been accomplished, truly take root. Christ has given us that ability to walk through that veil. He lived here for 33, 33 and a half years. He lived on the flesh side of the veil, right? He knows everything you're going through. 
He knows about everything that's ever going to come your way. He lived on the flesh side of the veil for 33 years, and yet he never sinned. He had every opportunity, like we have every opportunity. But by submission and by obedience, he walked through that veil. He walked through that veil. Sin had no hold on him. He walked through that veil. He walked straight to the other side. And he did it for you. He did it on your behalf. And he has invited you to do the exact same thing. And he has given you the power to do it. Verse 12. Jesus took his own blood. I'm summarizing. He took his own blood and through his blood, because of his blood, he entered the Holy of Holies. And when we receive his blood sacrifice, when we receive that, and I'm talking about in more than one way, I'm not talking about just salvation so that we all get to go to be to heaven, in heaven with him. But I'm talking about the revelation, the full, the full revelation of all that salvation brought us. We get to do the same thing that he did. Because what does Leviticus say? It says, life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. The blood is life. The blood is your life. The blood of Christ is your lifeline. His blood is your life. Life, the blood, is, that is the only thing, the only thing that could conquer death. We're going to talk more about that. So that's going to all get explained. So just hang on. Life is in the blood only the blood, and only the pure blood, only the pure blood could conquer death. Only life can conquer death in all its forms, in every form. No form of death, no form of sin was left out. The living blood, living blood in the body of Christ his personal body, but guess what? Who's the body of Christ today? You. You have that same blood. You are the body of Christ. I need you to take this literally as well as, well, it is supernatural. It is supernatural. Hallelujah. So the living blood of Jesus in the church body, in your own individual lives, your individual lives, is the life. It is life unto you, in you, coursing through you. The blood offered by Jesus, it met all the hatred of man 
the blood offered by Jesus, met all the hatred of men. It met all, it met all the putridness of sin. It met it, and the righteousness and the love of God conquered. The just conquered the unjust. Mercy triumphed over judgment. The mercy in the blood. Mercy in the blood. Your forgiveness. Mercy in the blood. The the attitude, the not my will, but your will, Father. The forgive them, for they know not what they do. Position of Christ, the heart of Jesus, that being his heart, affected a change for all eternity and brought the victory to you. It affected the application of, of its cleansing and its power in your life, in my life. Understand that? Jesus' blood is the power of the resurrection and the ascension, and we all need, myself included, all of us, need to let Holy Spirit impart into our hearts the boldness that you have in the blood, God's righteousness and love into which you now have entrance when you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not by a bunch of works that you're going to do, verse 13. For if the blood of kids and of calves and the ashes of a heifer were sprinkled on those who were defiled and it sanctified them for the purifying of their flesh, how much more therefore? How much more therefore? Will the blood of the Messiah who by the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God purify our conscience from dead works that we may serve the living God. Hallelujah. And I mean truly serve. Not in dead acts. Not in rules, not in rituals, not in regulations, but out of a living heart. A heart that, remember we studied this last week. When when you receive Christ, you receive the heart of God. A living heart, a new heart, a heart passionate after God. And at that point, you have to actually Choose to defy the call of Jesus' heart in you. Do you remember studying that last week? Christ's perfect obedience 
to God gives his blood value. See that? Do you, un- do you understand what I'm saying? He paid a price for you. He refused to bow to sin regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. Even to the point of his own death. He, how did sin come into the world? Okay. Sin came into the world through flesh. Correct? So it had to be a perfect flesh. The only thing that could overcome that. You see that? Do you understand that? Sin came to the world through flesh. It could only be defeated by untainted flesh and blood. Perfectly untainted was the only thing that could defeat that. Something that never had submitted in any form to the flesh. That's our Jesus. So he could overcome. You see that? God's life dwelt in Jesus. So when he chose to give his blood, and he chose, it was not taken from him, he chose to give his blood for us, defeating the call of sin. He never sinned. He defeated the call. Sin calls all the time. Do you think it called him any less than it calls you? No. But he defeated that call at every turn. Every turn. So that life, his defeating, overcoming life, could now dwell in us when we receive him as our Lord and Savior. He yielded his whole life so that God could be spotlessly revealed to you, spotlessly revealed to me, and we can now look to God without the shadow of sin. because of what he did. We can look to God without the cloud of sin between us. His blood tells me who I am. His blood tells you who you are. Do we understand that? You are a blood-purchased child of God. You are a blood-purchased child of God with a whole new consciousness. See, a person's, not a person's consciousness, it pervades their whole life. It, it, It pervades their entire being. It gives you either a sense of shame or a sense of value. And because his blood, of his blood, our consciousness, when we receive him, we receive the gift, truly receive, I know it's hard for people to receive gifts sometimes, but if we truly receive that gift, 
our whole consciousness is different. It's redeemed, it's cleansed, it's purified, it's made whole. And Jesus' blood tells us that we have value. You have value. You are valuable to the Father. You are precious to the Father. His blood tells us, it tells you, it tells me that I do not need to live in shame. I do not need to live in shame. You do not need to live in shame or separation of any kind from your Father. Jesus' blood calls me, beckons me, yearns for me. It calls me to enter into the perfect fellowship. Perfect fellowship in its pouring out for me. He bought me. He bought you. And he has a gift for you. His purchase is a tremendous gift for you. So the river of Jesus' blood flowing, the river of Jesus' blood, his mercy, his forgiveness, all that includes the the river of Jesus' blood, the river whose current, it is the river whose current carries me, carries you into the very presence of God. It flows through you and carries you into the presence of God saturated. Holy Spirit carries us into that river. Holy Spirit's always speaking to you, always counseling you with a loving eye upon you. That's what the NIV says, 2011. Not, that one isn't from 1984, but it's, it's good. So we cannot limit our faith to what our minds comprehend. Y'all know that, I know that. So we cannot, we cannot limit our faith to what our minds comprehend of the effectiveness of the results of the blood. We need to step over. We need to step through. We need to go to higher ground. We must let Holy Spirit teach us. The Holy Spirit teaches us all the wealth of God all the wealth, all the treasuries, treasures, all the mystery of God, and it is the power of our inner lives. Holy Spirit is always testifying to you of Jesus. Holy Spirit gives us the power to get understanding of the blood, and he ministers its power to us. He, he ministers his power to us. The cleansing of sin, the abiding in the presence of God. Holy Spirit applies the power of the blood to our lives and gives us revelation. That's the application. The revelation of the spiritual meaning of the blood. Okay? Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice and the offering of self unto God. That's our Jesus. Self-sacrifice, the offering of self unto God. Humility, surrender, 
was his posture at all times. Only to please the Father. Only to glorify the Father. The position of, that is the possession, that is the position of Christ that allowed his blood to flow for you and for me. That gave it its value and its power. Holy Spirit will help us walk out in this same disposition. Holy Spirit will help you walk in this same attitude. We need to have the attitude of Christ. Holy Spirit will help you, will be your guide and your counselor. He will give you, he gives you the will and the power to do as God's will, as God wills. Because you have a new heart now, don't you? You have a totally transformed heart. Pride and self-will are the root of sin. Pride and self-will are the root of sin. Holy Spirit counseling us. He gives us the ability to discern those things and crush them, absolutely crush them in our own lives. The full power of the blood flows into us and brings life to us. And Holy Spirit helps us helps us destroy those idols that we have built up in our own lives that we think somehow are more important. And he helps us recognize them when he reveals to us the reality and the preciousness of the blood and what Jesus has done for us. You see that? He makes it so precious in our hearts and it illuminates everything else. Hallelujah. He gives us, the Holy Spirit encourages our heart, gives us a heart to truly serve, teaches us, and gives us a heart to truly serve the living God in a new living way. Hallelujah. And to take those idols and to set them aside, the idols that blur our vision that get between, that try to get between, I should say. He gives us the strength to do all things as unto the Lord. All things as unto the Lord. Colossians 3.23 tells us that. So when that's our heart and that's how the Holy Spirit will always speak to you, will always speak to you that way, that squelches that self-serving, those self-serving ideologies in our lives, those idols, and it encourages us to minister to Father God. I want to minister to Father God, and I know that's your heart, right? That's your heart, to minister to Father God and to desire to bless him, to desire to glorify him in everything that we do, in everything that we say, everything that we think. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, with the life, it is the life. You cannot separate life and, and blood, the blood of Jesus. It is life and only life, nothing else. It is pure, untainted blood, 
from a pure, spotless lamb. The blood, with its life in it, taken into heaven, taken into heaven, gives us the life of God that is in it. Big stuff, guys, for you, because of God's heart for you. It gives us the life of God that is in it, that can't be taken out of it, to destroy every yoke of bondage and idolatry to serve the living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I get to serve the living God in a new and living way with no separation, with the veil completely torn, with the blood poured out, saturating with coursing through my veins, coursing through your veins. This is true cleansing. This is the new blood that you have in Jesus. Verse 15. Because of this, he is the mediator of the new covenant. For in his death, he is salvation. In his death, he is salvation. He is salvation to you. He is salvation to me. Nothing but salvation. Nothing but salvation from every sin, every sickness, every darkness, every oppression. Every bit of it. It cannot, it cannot live in his presence. He is the mediator of the new covenant, for in his death he is salvation to those who violated the first covenant. Oh my gosh, weren't you so happy? Then we're not perfect. When there's a violation, we've got the blood. We've got the blood. We've got the mercy of God. That we, those who were called to eternal inheritance, would receive the promise. For where there is a testament, it shows the death of him who made it. But it is only valid concerning one who is dead. Because as long as he who made it lives, there is no use for it. Well, he chose to die and he lives again. When he chose that death, his covenant, his promise, his life went into effect in your life when you received him. And now he is ministering life from heaven to you and only life. Over abundant, exceedingly more than you can ask or think life. Because that's all he knows. Hallelujah. So Christ, offering himself unto death, is now the mediator for you of the new covenant, and it becomes effective in your life. See that? Because he chose to give it up in death. 
for us. So the revelation of that into our hearts of all that God has promised to us, he, is sec- he has secured that inheritance for us. He secured it. He nailed it down. Literally. <laughs> Never thought of that before. But man, he took the nails. And he nailed it down for you. Through his own body. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because he died. He died. He gave his flesh. He died to secure the provisions of his will for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So his death allows us to stand as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Heirs of God, heirs of God, heirs of God. Verse 18, because of this, not even the first was established without blood, because every will becomes effective by the blood, by the death. For when the entire ordinance which was in the law, had been commanded by Moses to the people, Moses took the blood of a heifer and water with scarlet, of a heifer and water with scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled upon the scrolls and upon all the people. And he said to them, this is the blood of the covenant, which was commanded you by God. Also he sprinkled blood upon the tabernacle and upon all the vessels of the ministry. Are you a vessel of Christ's ministry? Hallelujah. Because all these things are purged by blood in the written law and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Jesus' blood is the mercy. Jesus' blood is your forgiveness for all of us, for each of us. Life is in the blood, and only the blood of Jesus could forever eradicate death by replacing it with life. Why do they give blood transfusions? They replace the tainted, the imperfect, the diseased blood with life. Well, we have a supernatural blood transfusion. He did it for you once and for all, forever and ever, cleansing us of the death sentence of sin. We have been cleansed from the death sentence of sin. Hallelujah. It has given us forgiveness. It has given us mercy. It has given us redemption with our Father. Thank you, Lord. The Old Testament rituals were basically a picture 
of life in the blood, the life in the blood, the life of the blood replacing death. Only they just covered it and we got a full replacement. Okay? We have basically the real thing. Anyone who's in Christ has the real thing. The everlasting life of Christ, the eternal one, forever answering death on your behalf, forever answering death in every one of its forms on your behalf, whether that's sickness or lack or oppression or depression or greed or pride or self, whatever it is, whatever form of darkness it is, it has been answered for you. All sin, all sin, all sin is a form of self-expression. It's basically turning from God and turning to self, rejecting God and to, in order to please self. That's what all sin is. But the blood of Christ, because he resisted that sin unto death, You see that? (coughs) He resisted that sin unto death. And it gives us the power over that self-expression. It is a real and living way. It is a living blood giving you power over that expression of self. And it gives us forgiveness and mercy for every transgression. Every, every transgression. You lay it at the cross. You lay it at the feet of Jesus. And you're forgiven. The blood of Christ is so effective that it gave Christ the power and the right. His blood poured out for you, gave him the power and the right to rise up out of that grave, out of death, into the light of victory, and into the love of God. No separation. No taint of sin. Can you receive the goodness of God? Hallelujah. We get to do the same thing that Christ did when we receive him as our Lord and Savior. When our hearts take note, when, our, when we take heart, we take heart of Jesus' blood, what he is, what he did for us, what really happens, I believe, is that we fall so in love with him, we fall so in love with him, our hearts are so transformed that they actually become cleansed of any desire to be apart from him. I truly believe that's what happens to our hearts. And then after that, it's just sin is this external call. It's, it, it's not, you know what I'm saying? It's this external call that we don't have to respond to, that we don't even want to respond to because we have a new heart and we, we, we choose to follow that heart of God that he's given us. And our understanding 
We have new understanding of all that he gave. And, and, and he reveals his heart to us. He reveals his heart to us and he cleanses us basically of all desire to go against his heart. Anything that would create a distance between us. Verse 23. For it is necessary that these things which are symbols of the heavenly are purified by these things, but the heavenly by better sacrifices than these. So the heavenly things themselves purified. Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. For it was not the holy place made by hands that the Messiah entered, in which was the symbol of the real one, but he entered heaven to appear before the face of God in our place. He has appeared before the face of God in your place, and God sees him instead of you. Well, not instead of, but he sees him in you, and you in him. Before the face of God, (coughs) standing in the blood of Jesus, So, I'm going to ask you a question. This one is rhetorical. You don't have to answer it right at this moment, but you better be able to answer it when this message is over. (laughs) Why would heavenly things have to be purified? Because we've just talked about that, and it says that right here in this scripture. Okay? Okay? So the, I was, God gave me a, an idea about that. God's word tells us that our sins rise up at, this is Old Testament, okay? Rise up as a smoke or a cloud before him. Okay, well, we don't want that, do we? That's going to have to be taken care of, isn't it? That's going to have to be gone. That's going to have to be purified. That cloud of sin and transgression that rises up as a smoke unto him. Here it is in Isaiah 42. I have blotted out, and and different translations there, it's really, you should look at different translations on this particular one. It says, I have blotted out. Some say, I have swept away. Others say, I have wiped out your wrongdoings. That's the NASV. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Hallelujah. Do you see what that's saying? The blood cleansed, blotted out the sin. The the blood blotted out swept away the cloud of sin that was rising up before him, before the Father. And it came, the blood came between that cloud and us, cleansing, removing, destroying. Okay, who in here is going to receive that? I, I, just, I, just, I just felt a big wall. Who in here is going to receive that? Yeah, 
You need to renew your minds to this because I know what your minds are telling you is that sin forever exists. But you have been placed in a new realm. It says that cloud is blotted out. The blood has done that for you. Don't give me pushback. Because you won't convince me any differently. Because the blood came between that cloud of sin and my father, and he sees me in the blood. He doesn't see me in a cloud of transgression and sin. The blood cleansed that cloud. It removed every thought of sin from before the face of God. Strong stuff. Every thought of sin was removed. The heavens were cleansed. God sees the blood, and every believer standing in the blood, saturated in the blood, covered in the presence of God, uh, of the blood, flowing through the believer. Purchased in the blood. Now Christ appears before the face of God and we in Christ with him. All of this is a divine reality. This is not something that you think your way into. This is not a mental exercise. This is received, we learned earlier, by the Holy Spirit, revealing this in our hearts. And we renew our minds to the word, and we say, I'm going to believe the word and nothing else, and not what Satan or any demonic force says about me. I'm believing Jesus. I'm believing what he did. God sees the blood, and every believer standing in the blood Appearing, Christ appearing before God in our stead. So we have to receive this divine reality in our hearts, understanding in faith who Christ is and what he has done for us. In faith, we renew our minds to this. We renew our minds to the divine reality. You become partakers of the divine nature. Isn't that what the scripture says? Didn't we talk about that before? Yes. So this is understood only in the spirit. It's not going to be understood in your mind. So we renew our minds to the things above, to the ways of God, to his higher ways. His ways are higher than your ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. His ways are higher than the ways of flesh and earth and sin and darkness and demonic oppression. His ways are higher. His ways are superseding. His ways are dominant. His ways are only ways of life. This is the power and the glory that's been given to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did.
So we need to be bold in the blood. We need to be bold in the blood to dwell in the presence of God that has been given to us. You need to know what you have in the blood. Verse 25. And not that he should offer himself many times, as the high priest was doing, and entered the holy place every year with blood that was not his. Otherwise, he ought to have suffered many times from the beginning of the world. But now, in the end of the world, he has offered himself one time to destroy sin. Do you, do you see that word? It says destroy sin. Sin there is a noun. It doesn't say just destroy the effects of sin. You see what I'm getting at? He offered himself one time to destroy sin by his sacrifice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And just as it is appointed to the children of men to die once, and after their deaths the judgment, in this way also the Messiah was offered one time, and look at this word, and slaughtered. In his person, the sins of many. He slaughtered the sins of many in his one person by his one sacrifice. And all you have to do is receive it. Amen. He slaughtered in his person the sins of many. But the second, listen to this. Listen to this. Pay attention to this. But the second time he appears, without our sins. The second time he appears, without our sins. None. Gone. Nada. He did it. For the life of those who expect him. For your life. What are you expecting? What are you expecting? Every sin put upon him, destroyed. He appears the second time without them for the life of those who expect him, a substituted life. For you, a substituted life. Anything that needs to be repeated is not perfect, right? If it has to be repeated, it was never perfect, and it has never accomplished the purpose. Okay? Christ's sacrifice does not need to be repeated. God makes it very clear in that scripture right there that we just read. It, it is, his sacrifice does not need to be repeated. Jesus has done everything you need. Everything. 
He's done everything you need. You just receive it. His blood sacrifice, his offering, is the perfection of the promise of God in your life. The reality of the heart of the Father in our lives. The application of the heart of the Father in our lives. The coming to pass of the heart of the Father in our lives. The destiny of the Father coming to pass in our lives. It is a finished work. It is an accomplished purpose. Verse 26, he has offered himself one time to destroy sin by his sacrifice. 28, he slaughtered in his person the sins of the many and appears without our sin for our life, for the lives of those who expect him. Not only, okay, hang on, Not only does this mean that he destroyed the hold of sin on us, but he destroyed its curse, he destroyed sin, he destroyed everything about its ability to have any hold on us at all. So think of why or how it did that. Let's think about that. Let's not just say that, oh, that's what happens. Let's not just say, oh, he destroyed sin in our our brains. It could do that because Jesus put our sin out of God's presence altogether. Altogether, as far as the east is from the west. He has no remembrance of them anymore. Okay? He swept it away. He wiped out our wrongdoing. His blood came between that cloud and God. And God sees the blood in you. That's how he sees you. As far as he sees from the West, so God would never even remember it anymore. It is out of his book altogether. He doesn't have a little black book keeping track of your indiscretions. I was taught that as a child. That's a lie. That's a lie when you're in Christ. It is out of his remembrance. What do you think? What do you think it means to be written in the book of life? The life of Christ. The life of Christ. The life of Christ. The life of Christ. And a book of life cannot have death. The book of the life of Christ cannot have death in it. So we are not judged then as our sins deserve, are we? We are not judged as our sins deserve, as they deserve, That isn't what his heart toward us in the consequence of death because that is the consequence of sin is death. That's in Psalm 103, 10 through 13 that we are not judged as our sins deserve but we are judged by the righteousness of God in us given to us by the blood so that the love of God resounds in our lives vanquishing every semblance of death, unifying us in life 
and life alone in Jesus. No sight of sin as far as God can see. Only the sight (coughs) of the river of Jesus' blood coursing through our veins. Jesus put our sin out of God's presence forever, completely. Remember when we studied Hebrews 7 several weeks back? It said he saved us completely, not partially, completely. In him we are perfected completely. What does that mean? How does that happen? Good question. Jesus conquered sin completely in his blood sacrifice. Conquered, destroyed, defeated. He gave himself up to death total submission to God rather than submit to the temptation of sin, the power of sin. He gave himself up to death as God's righteous forever judgment upon sin. That's why you don't have to be judged as your sins deserve. And you get to repent. And you get to say sorry. And you get to receive mercy. And you get to receive forgiveness. You get to completely turn around and be clean and purified. He literally, Jesus literally died to sin. Literally died to sin in obedience. His death was a substitute for sin in his own personal life. Do you get that? In his own fleshly life, he substituted that choice to sin for actual, literal death. 